Rescue, the embassy mission. A diplomatic mission in a foreign city is seized by political fanatics. And welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of Every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. What a colorful way to describe terrorists. <laughs> political fanatics. I mean, you, 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 have to, you have to be politically correct about political fanatics. Yeah, they didn't want to you know, piss off the terrorist audience, you know? They still wanted to get their, their money. And look, I know very little about the 1980s because I wasn't born then, so I don't care to read about what happened. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that uh, this was happening a lot in the in the 70s and 80s, right? Like uh, hostage situations uh, with like the Olympic Games in Helsinki, and um, you know that's the best I've got for you. So I'm gonna just roll yeah. with that one as an example. Sounds like I, you've been doing some research. Confer- times no, before you know why? You. I know that but he's one. He's not is reading. A, I know that one for a weird reason. Uh, I re- uh, I was watching a Steve Prefontaine movie. He's an amazing American. Um, track runner who died way too early and in the great movie that covered his life uh as short as it was uh that was like one of the things that happened was the uh hostage situation in helsinki yeah i mean a lot of 80s movies would lead you to believe that this was happening a lot i'm sure like it it did happen a lot i don't really know the variation from uh from decade to decade because you know one of the most Famous examples of it was actually in the 70s, but um, I'm sure, you know, every now and then there's some hostages that need to be taken. It just makes you think about um, the situation in gaming then versus now, because if, if it really was like a more of a current events thing than than ever. Now look at like Nintendo won't even release Advanced Wars because it's kind of similar to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So they're like, no, nah, we can't even release that game. Meanwhile, Rescue the Embassy mission is like, it's happening all the time. Let's make a game about it. <laughs> yeah, especially because this is back when I feel like uh, it, the audience was more kids than it is today. Yeah, I mean, the game's mechanics lead you to believe it's for kids. Uh, the, the the content, not so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's blood in this one. That's interesting, right? Oh, we yeah. We don't usually see blood in Nintendo games. I thought it was more so you were sort of like tossing an apple into <laughs> your enemy's uh, chest area. Still open for interpretation. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember apples as part of the weapon loadout, but, you know, this game, for what it's worth, is kind of like Rainbow Six before Rainbow Six. It's a, it's a game that... Uh, Sets out to do the job that it, uh, you know, like like the whole idea of being a uh, a six man team and going around freeing these hostages from this m- embassy. We have seen a few games lately where they don't quite understand the assignment and they focus on one thing in particular. Like the infiltrator episode, we kept talking about how the helicopter thing was just way too detailed. Um, Genghis Khan, another one that like maybe didn't quite focus enough on what it was like to uh, be Genghis Khan and take over the Mongol Empire and more just the same strategy game that we've seen before. The magic of Shaharazad, you know, like came up with time travel, but didn't really fully execute on it. This is a game 
that whether or not it's a good game or not, which is what we'll get into in this episode, it completely understands what kind of game it is. A terrorist group has overrun an embassy in Paris, and now it's up to you to, in like three different parts of a mission, set up your snipers, infiltrate the base, and then free all the hostages. It's simple enough. Uh, it, it completely stays grounded in that. It doesn't focus too much on like, okay, well, like, you know, here's how a sniper uh, rifle behaves and, like, make sure you understand, you know, like, make sure you get the timing exactly right. Or, like, here's how a uh, rappelling down a building works and it's incredibly complicated to get inside the building. It's, it sticks to the assignment. Do you agree with that? It, well, it's interesting because I, I agree that it, it, it feels that way more so than something like Infiltrator. It feels more cohesive and more like, okay, I understand the mission. But really, when you break it down, it is very similar in the sense that, like, there's one gameplay part, there's one gameplay element, and then there's a totally new gameplay element that's introduced halfway through your mission, or third of the way through your mission, and then you do that, and then there's another totally new thing. There's three different gameplay elements that have, like, functionally very little to do with each other. Like, story-wise, it's a progression, but it is, like, in the same way that Infiltrator is, like, first you're flying a helicopter and, and, you know, talking to enemy helicopters and and occasionally fighting with them and then suddenly you're on the ground looking through buildings to try and find documents that felt very disjointed this is doing a similar thing but i think it's doing it much better yeah i mean so i think what 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 this game is it's sort of like one of those funhouse games where it's it's a couple different mini games um and it's masquerading as a tactics game like mike you you brought up the comparison to Rainbow Six because you're like a, a special tactics unit. Um, in this case, against I guess like Gigan or whatever G I G N, the French one. It, it's sort of using the 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 language of like a tactics game where you have to do the setup and then you execute. Um, the first one being sort of getting into position. Uh, the second one being uh getting your guys into the guys that are actually on the roof of the building into position and then the snipers sort of taking their shots for to prep for the actual extraction of hostages but it's like it's always the same thing like you don't get to pick where your guys go uh it, it, you have to you have to go exactly where the game wants you to go. Uh, the There's little interplay between them. Uh, there is some, like, if you take out a window with a sniper and you go to control one of the repellers, like, that window will be broken. But it's not like the enemies inside are, are responding to it in any way. So, yeah, I mean, that's those are my, like, first impressions of this, like, after playing it for a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point, Sean, that it's not necessarily a lived-in world or even a very um, interactive world. Uh, the the parts, as they're broken out, part one, setting up your snipers, is not something that you have really freedom to explore. You just have to complete that mission exactly as the game prescribes, and then you can move on to part two, repelling from the top of the building down into uh breaking into the windows to get inside and then part three taking out all of the terrorists in order to free the hostages those things aren't like 
live switching between like move your sniper now to another location to get him around and free up another side of the building and then like okay now live switch back and i know that sounds crazy right but technically they are offering that experience of switching between people that are in the building and people that are outside of the building it just doesn't really mean that much in the actual game because the game is very uh focused on only the rules that it's applied to it it's not like the enemies inside the building are so dynamic and live that you have to focus on both elements. Yeah, I, Sean, I like what you said, too, about um, it being like this funhouse game, because I was thinking something similar to I felt like each of these sections, like like I was playing three separate arcade-style games that were like connected narratively. You know, it's like avoid the lights, and that's like your game, and you've got the context of like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to sneak through, you know, the enemy fire or whatever, and then you know the the sniper thing is like kind of this search and 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 hold your gun steady little game and then the third one is uh kind of like a twitch reflex like a like a zapperless wild gunman over and over again as you kind of go through this building so it's like yeah three little mini games that really have no cohesion gameplay wise but they but narratively that's what draws ties them together but I do think that there's a case for saying that even with the recent streak of 1990s games being multi-genre or at least, uh, you know, switching up the control schemes enough to make the game feel different, this is still kind of surprising. I do feel like not too long ago, the whole game would have been, yeah, terrorists have taken over this building and now you're playing a top-down action game where you just shoot at, um, you know, various enemies as you climb up the building to get to the top in like a diehard style video game where at the end, you know, like on the, on the 40th floor is the final boss. I think in an, in an alternate universe, this game would have just been like navigating the building. It, there's a lot more assets. Um, the, it, it's probably the, the deepest uh, mechanically of the three phases or four phases. However you want to say it. Um, and I mean, it, it there's enough to here to say that the getting into position, the snipers and the repelling are are kind of like tacked onto this. Like it's it's not the same kind of multi-genre game that we've been seeing a lot of because uh, those have like three or four, two or three phases that are not fleshed out at all. Whereas this has um, two or three phases that aren't fleshed out at all and one phase that is just barely fleshed out. Let's start where, with where the game starts you off, which is, uh, well, the game really starts you off with choosing your rank and your mission, which affect the difficulty of the game. Um, rank being, like, how hard the game is, and then mission being uh, the time uh, that you have. The game, though, starts you off in the sniper's uh, part of the game, where you have to bring your three men into position so that they can snipe uh, the building. To do so, they have to avoid searchlights by diving into doorways or windows or uh, getting on the ground low enough that the searchlights can't see them. You can roll, you can run, you can crawl. It's, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty cool. It's also very short and very limited in, in the actual experience. But if the player is caught in a searchlight, even not, not necessarily like, it's not an instant death, but if you're caught near the searchlight, 
then the snipers will shoot at you. Uh, not the snipers. Uh, whoever's like artillery is watching you uh, through those searchlights. They'll start firing at you, and there's a chance that it'll be a death, or there's a chance that uh, you'll narrowly escape if you like roll at the right time or everything. I think there's enough going on here that it's not like I don't know. It's not it's not a chore to put the snipers into the assigned positions or anything. You still have to be on it. Yeah, I, I actually... I, I'd say it's, like, the least interesting part of the game, though. Like, just getting to where, like, you didn't have to walk down the street to get into these buildings. Like, the, if this was actually, like, a tactics situation, you'd, you'd have different entrances <laughs> and that aren't, like, right at where the enemy can shoot at you. <laughs> um, which is also strange, because in every other phase of the game, there doesn't seem to be that the enemies don't seem to be aware of anything outside of the building, so it's not cohesive in that way either. Uh, but no, I wouldn't consider it a chore, because moving around as these guys is surprisingly fun. It just seems unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I actually found this part of the game pretty fun, like, compare like, I don't know which, which part I would say is my favorite, but, like, this was up there. I, I like this a lot. Granted, it's the first thing you play as before I even knew that there was going to be, like, other segments. Um... But, I, you know, like you said, you, you move in, like, a very fluid and, like, it, it, a fun way where you're, you're diving through windows and rolling, uh, you know, to try and avoid the spotlights and everything. It feels good. The, the only thing I'll say about it is that it, it would get old really fast, I gotta believe. You know, I only played so much of this game, but, like, it's not difficult, really. There's a couple times you might be like, okay, yeah, this light might get me or whatever. Kind of once you get the hang of it or if you just decide to be super cautious. It's not difficult. I mean, the only downside to that is you're losing time, but it, it, it never it never felt like too much of a challenge. So I, I I do think if I like started playing this game a lot or went through all the missions, I'd be I would be tired of it after a while. But like uh, in small doses, I thought it was very fun. Well, the one thing that I that I did like about this segment, and it's it's a part of each of them aside from sniping, uh, is that there the one connective thread between all of these aside from the uh the sort of plot contextual connections is that if you do die and uh and because it's a team of six if you do die as one of them like you just don't have access to that to that dude anymore um so you'll have a shorthanded team uh or you'll only have as many snipers at your disposal uh once you get to the actual infiltration and same goes for repelling uh, but that's a much more goofball way to lose somebody. But uh, I did like that. Yeah, it, it, that is a cool persistent feature. And then the other persistent feature is that from the very start of the game, there is a time limit. Um, and that is because you presumably only have a certain amount of time before these hostages are um, are executed. So you have to be quick. You can change that from anywhere to 20 minutes to 10 minutes. Um, and so since the longest possible is 20 minutes that also makes this a contender for one of the shortest nes games right <laughs> i guess so like the longest uh, the game can be is 20 minutes but it, technically there's a mode <laughs> to beat it in 10 <laughs> uh, i mean i guess some arcade games are sorry arcade games could be in the running for that too but those don't have some semblance of a story and plot so maybe those aren't part of it no every time donkey kong falls and hits his head he he does get back up and then just steal 
uh, Pauline all over again to have you go back and start from uh, wow. the level one again. That it's it's not like the story finished. You just are stuck in a time loop. Are you? Do, <laughs> oh, okay. You can't beat. Are, are there Donkey bathroom Kong. breaks? Like no. Donkey Kong. Okay. Just checking. There's no bathroom breaks when you're trying to save the world, Sean. That's true. So why don't you put that on a poster? Let's do it. Why not? Right. Merch. <laughs> Well, uh, so our our team here of six are trying to not necessarily save the world, but save these hostages. And after they move on from the sniper portion, uh, you then have to rappel down these buildings. And it's funny because this was the only instance I could think of where the controls weren't as intuitive as they should have been because I did have to go look at the manual and be like, huh, wait, what makes these guys go? Because if you go down, you just rappel down to you know to your to your fall and then die you have to go down and then quickly tap the up button on the d-pad to then tap your feet against the wall of the buildings this way you're actually rappelling down uh, working with gravity yes yeah i i, I did uh, gather I mean, that you I had actually... to go down and then up but i didn't gather that that was trying to simulate the like hitting against the wall with your feet element <laughs> yeah, I was also doing the like jump down, which I think you sort of jump down if you press left or left in A or something. And that made made me feel much cooler because you usually see people jumping off of walls when they rappel down and not just like slowly inching their way down. Uh but that did take me a minute to figure out because I actually didn't look at the manual for this game at all. Um so I was just button mashing for a while, and it, I I lost some guys. The guys that you lost were they the normal named ones or the weirdly named ones? There's <laughs> I think they're the n- normal ones. I think yeah. the weirdly named ones are the snipers. Uh, no, because there's uh Mike, Steve, and Jumbo are the snipers, and then Ron, okay. Dick, and Kemco are the are the well, infiltrators. Maybe I was mistaking Jumbo as a not normal name. Sorry, Mike. I know your nickname was Jumbo. Uh yes. And also I'm in this game too as Mike, so I get two Wait appearances. Are you guys <laughs> are you guys grouping these abnormal names and normal names the way they are on screen? I feel like they're mixed up. Like are you saying Ron is an abnormal name? Uh I'm not saying that. Mike's I'm saying. definitely <laughs> not saying that. I'm definitely <laughs> okay, I feel like the only that. the only the only names that are not common that I see in here are Jumbo and Kemco. Yes, I'm in agreement. Okay, we all agree. But they're on two different teams. So, yeah. they are on equal distribution. <laughs> no, they're the specialists. Their their stats are all like slightly boosted be- to make up for their weird names. Wait, they have stats? No, I'm joking. I'm saying that like because their <laughs> oh. parents because their parents were cruel to them, they had to like make up for it throughout most of their life. That's true. All right, Kemko's, so you're repel- Kemko's a cool name. Jumbo, I probably wouldn't want to be called Jumbo. There you go. Uh you're repelling down the building. And then you get line up with the window, and then you just press the A button, and then you smash into the window. <coughs> now you're there. You're on the third floor. You could have chose to go down um, to the second floor. I don't know. Can you go down all the way to the first floor? I don't remember. But... Yeah. Okay. They, they start the first. It's like, it's not the first floor, but uh, it's because you don't have access to the ground floor. Right. It's the first floor of the three floors that you have access to in the game. It's a very European way of thinking about things. There you go. You're inside the building now, and now you uh, are switching to like a um, a first person. Not really, though, right? Yeah, I guess most of the yeah. time it's first person. Yeah. It's first person. 
Yeah, it just looks weird sometimes in the rooms. Like when you're inside yeah. the room, then you see yourself. Do you? Yeah, right? Yeah. I guess you do. Yeah, you're like over the shoulder. Yeah, it's in like the over, the, sh- over the, hallway, the shoulder, you but you're also. Your gun. Yeah, your proportion okay, is yeah. very small, though. Like when it's you're very in the strange. hallway, you're you're just the gun. Yes, and yeah. I'm not sure why the change for that uh, at all, but like I guess it, you know, they are like zoomed in more when it's just the gun. So maybe they thought in the room you had to like see more of the room, so they switched out to third person. All that to say that you know, if it didn't, if Sean didn't even notice, it's not really that jarring of a feature either. It's just changing the view mode for us rather than us controlling the camera. The one thing that you have to applaud this game for is that, yes, it is a first-person game where you have to actually, like, press the left and right buttons just to turn your body, not even, like, turn uh, to the next rooms or anything like that. You're just turning your body. There is a map in the left-hand side of the screen that really spells out for you with a arrow which way you're facing and the entire yeah. floor plan. So this way it's very clear where people could be, where you are, and where the rooms are. I really appreciated this, and I feel like all the other first-person games that we played so far should have had this feature. Yeah, it's I also mean, a very necessary feature with the way that they will uh, spawn these guys. Like When you're on the easier difficulties, they'll actually show on a mini-map where enemies are, um, but that'll also show you that the way that this game populates the map is very strange because you'll walk into a room and it'll look empty, but you know that there's a guy in there. Uh, but you'll so you'll have to turn around entirely to realize that in that scene tra- transition, you totally missed an enemy in the room. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, you'll have to turn around and he'll be there. So it's it when you're sort of combing through this place trying to find all the enemies. You have to make sure that you did a full sweep of each room. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, the enemy, if the enemy is like behind you or to your right and you and you haven't turned to see him, I don't think he'll shoot you, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, unless I just never waited long enough cause the, or maybe it just wasn't never played on a high enough difficulty. But like there have been times where I'm like, okay, there's definitely a guy here and I waited a significant amount of time and then I turned and shot him and I was like, I guess he can't see me unless I can see him or something. <laughs> Or they're just very polite. Maybe, yeah. It's like it, he, it's an, it's dishonorable to to shoot someone when their back is turned. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that they do have to be on the same screen as you, that they can't just shoot you from within the same room. But that is kind of funny to think that like you entered a room and you were just looking straight ahead, but this guy is looking straight ahead at a wall, not the door that he you entered from. Like realistically, if <laughs> yeah. they're inside this building, they should only be looking for the doors, right? <laughs> yeah. No one's well, coming in know, through the walls. <laughs> what I think what I think is really probably happening is that your character is wearing bulletproof armor all around his body except for his front. Yeah. So they that's can only shoot do. at you if you're facing them. I mean, but we also have drawn the context that we have been shooting at this building from nearby buildings, so maybe they're like they haven't heard you shooting up the third floor, and they're still like worried about the snipers across the street. And also, it it just becomes a game of quick draw when you do see them. It's just make sure you shoot really fast the second you see anybody green on your screen, because that's how you that's how you take care of enemies if you. If you stand too too still or surprised by the enemy, you'll get shot at, and that's no good for you. So just shoot as fast as you can. There's really not much else to the... There's not like an 
aiming component necessarily, right? Not at all. And, I, yeah. and you know, I also felt, and granted, maybe I should have played some harder difficulties. I mean, I only played like the first two, I think the first two difficulties. But does it ever get hard? I mean, it's it feels like it feels like you have like a good two seconds to shoot before they shoot you or something. As soon as you see them, you just press the shoot button. You have plenty of time. It's not like it's not like I'm even thinking of like Wild Gunman or uh, was the one where you're training for the FBI, whatever the Zapper games, where it's like there's things that make the twitch reflexes harder. They're like, oh, don't shoot the innocent person or like. Something happens faster or something happens slower, but yeah. like it felt like it was always like you see someone, now you have a couple seconds or like at least a full second, maybe two, to just hit the shoot button and then you win. Yeah, well, on the harder difficulties, they, they get much faster. Um, one thing I noticed, though, is that you can't ever really shoot the hostages. Maybe they, they start killing them if you take too long, but then maybe, but I don't really, I don't know, because <laughs> that would make the timer kind of uh not fit with the story of the game. Uh but I was never able to accidentally shoot a hostage, but I have been in situations in this game where I got shot or my guy got shot, so I'd have to use a new one. Uh so yeah, that it does change. It it implies that the hostages won't die if you shoot your gun, but they will get injured. And I'm not sure if that affects your ending or not. Because there um, are there are other endings in this game. Based yeah, on, like, I have gotten like the, I did I did finish uh, one of the harder difficulties with a death, and it said like, yeah, the mission's over, but wasn't the best success. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah, because there's like there's success conditions for like if all the hostages are safe, but you're. Uh, one of your soldiers died. There's a, obviously the opposite. If all your soldiers survive, but you happen to also kill two hostages or, or injure two hostages, blah, blah, blah. That's not great. And then the last one is 100% success. No fatal deaths, except for the terrorists, of course. And the terrorists are green and the hostages are blue. So it's not, it's not like too complicated, I suppose, especially because it's their entire bodies. They're completely covered in either green or blue, and you're blue yourself, so it, it, it's not necessarily like the fast twitch reflexes of, like, Hogan's Alley, where they had the cardboard come by, and you have to, like, you're like, oh, I don't know which one's gonna be the hostage and which one's gonna be the killer. It's like, you kind of, you see one or the other. You either see the hostage, or you see the, the terrorist. Yeah. Uh, and again, when you see a hostage... It's like, oh, okay, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Nothing can happen. Enjoy. <laughs> Just like in real life. Yep. And so that's pretty much the game. Like I said, you, you can change the difficulty or change the amount of time, but you know, unless all six of your guys die or you run out of time, you will either win or lose the game based on those conditions. Uh, I don't think you can... Like, when the game, like, as soon as all three of your soldiers die, that's like it. You can't really do much from the sniping POV, correct? Like, you couldn't win the game by taking no. out all the guys from the window. No, I I, you can so. just sort of thin the herd that way. Yeah. And I, I guess, again, this is an instance where it would probably feel different if I played on a higher difficulty, but it really just felt like the sniping minigame didn't really do that much because it was so easy to do everything else without the sniping. It felt like it took up time. 
I mean, I could only ever find one guy in those windows anyways. So I shot that guy and then I looked forever, couldn't find them. It's like, I'm just going to move on. I think you might have been dealing, though, Joe, just with the difficulty there is there are less enemies, you know? So I think that you would have seen more in the windows potentially if if you're playing on a higher difficulty. That makes sense. On the sequels and spinoff side, uh, this game has a... Uh, story behind it but not necessarily an interesting one it's just a bunch of name changes so this game came out in arcades as hostages then came out on computers as hostage rescue mission and then was changed for the nes just the nes keep in mind to rescue the embassy mission uh i kind (laughs) of like um hostage rescue mission but then i start thinking about like you know, is it is it unclear? Like, are you one of the hostages now trying to rescue the other people that are being held hostage? Like, that's what hostage rescue mission read to me. Yeah, I guess if the if this, there's a colon after hostage, I could see that it should just be hostage rescue mission. Right, right. That and is there a is a colon. To rescue a so. hostage. Okay. I like that it just gets more and more specific um, <laughs> as the changes are made. Yes. <laughs> uh, one thing that I wanted to note uh, just about the developer is I thought it was funny that, like, not funny, but interesting that we get, like, an Infogrames game, uh, because I only know them as, like, they're the ones that made Alone in the Dark, which sort of was the grandfather of all 3D survival horror games, uh, and, like, really nothing else of note, that they're always kind of like a, a middle-of-the-road developer, but French, which I guess explains like the the Paris angle here. Yep. I just wanted to note that, which is it, it just tickled me, I guess. Yeah, I I'd never played Alone in the Dark, but uh, and I didn't know that they were responsible for it. But I know that logo. Um, it's like a weird. First off, yeah, the loop de loops. Yeah, the loop de loops. But uh, info infogrames or info yeah grames, right? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's yeah. French. Infogrames. <laughs> I don't know. That just like always looked as as a um, you know strictly. Uh, American kid, it always looked like a spelling mistake for info games. The R just, <laughs> just felt like it shouldn't have been there. But what about, you know, I wasn't worldly back then. So that's my experience with thinking about uh, that developer. They would make uh, a sequel called Alcatraz, but it was mostly a sequel to the arcade hostages game. So I'm not sure like how much was changed or whatever, but it only ever came out on computers like the Amiga and DOS systems and stuff like that. So uh, would you play Alcatraz? Would you like to see what they update? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Let's just do it. Uh, let's just start an Amiga podcast. I heard there's only like 3,000 games for the Amiga, so uh... we can get started right away. Um, it says, the plot, Alcatraz Island, once home to America's most undesirable criminals, lies empty and abandoned. Since its closure, it was used as a tourist destination. Now, it is used by the notorious criminal Miguel Tardiez. Miguel Tardiez. To to use as the center of his distribution network for his drug and gun running and money laundering. How many things is he doing? He's doing a distribution (laughs) network, a drug ring, a a gun ring, and and money laundering. So, um, learning that Tardiez is on American soil, the U.S. Navy SEALs dispatch their best operatives, Bird and Fist. Their mission to covertly <laughs> breach the disused prison, destroy the drug and weapons caches, and apprehend Tardiez. I cool. like it better just as, like, oh, there's somebody at the embassy, make it stop. 
Yeah, this feels much more involved. It doesn't even. Feel, I I guess I must play similarly, but it feels feels like it has a lot more going on, and is probably has like, you know, individual levels and stuff like that. Um, who could say? Well, the only play is the two guys. Whatever. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were playing a six in this one. That's 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 a D make in my opinion. <laughs> and we have to give our opinion on one more thing, guys, and that is whether rescue the embassy mission is on the essential games list. I still think that there's a lot of neat stuff going on in this game. It is it is a fast game. It is it is something you could experience no matter what, so it is kind of just worth checking out. I guess I just wasn't expecting, you know, even if you look at like we didn't talk about this, but when you start up the game, if you just don't press anything, you're greeted to some pretty cool like pixel art cutscenes and stuff like that and even like when you're playing as the sniper and you're going um you're going for the guys in the window like it's not just some crosshairs view with a bunch of you know lines and you just shoot silhouettes it it has a nice like it gives a nice contextual to everything that's going on in the game uh except for the idea that you can only see straight ahead in a room and that we all have to turn four ways to see everything inside of a room i don't know about you guys but uh, I can see a little more than just straight ahead. So, <laughs> so all that to say that, like, while it's doing a lot of interesting things, and we've been seeing that a lot with 1990s NES games trying to shake things up, sometimes when you shake things up, it's not necessarily for the better. It's just to stand out a little bit. I think this is a game that I would have bought. Uh, it it would have been, like, different and uh, salesy enough with its, like, you know, rescue these hostages by being this elite team of six and you you have both the snipers and the soldiers like you know i think there's a lot going on in this game i just don't know if i would have actually been satisfied with my purchase um after finding out that that's all there is to the game so for that reason it's not on the essential games list but i wouldn't say that i you know like it's a lot of fun for the small amount of time that it is so in today's day where you're just like downloading mobile games all the time and playing nes games on emulators you'd really like you'd be fooling yourself if you didn't think it was worth checking out just because it's such a short experience to understand sean yeah i kind of agree with you in that um i probably would have bought this game had i been around to do so uh because it sort of ticked it on the surface it looks to tick a lot of the boxes that i want um, I think though one of its greatest sins is tricking me into thinking it's a different game than it is. Like just a quick look at that map screen that's sort of showing the uh like where you are and it's it it's it looks very tactical uh while you're running up on the embassy and and then when you're sort of deciding whether you're going to snipe or repel it, it and you get to place guys where you want. None of those things really matter. Like, it doesn't matter where you place them. You're just going to go to the third, second, or first floor. It looks so much more like a a procedural strategy game. Not procedural in the modern sense, but like a systems-based strategy game where you can get creative with the way that you infiltrate and prepare in different ways. Uh, that's not what this is. This is three or four mini games, one of which is a bit more robust than the others, uh, with some cool art. I didn't hate it. I I think that each of them like are good for what they do. And 
how everything contextually fits together is is nice. Uh, but I I can't play this game without thinking about what I originally thought it was, and that's a sin that I can't allow them them allow them to atone for. So yeah, maybe play it and get tricked like I did, uh, but also <laughs> not essential. Joe, I'd say it feels like to me this game succeeded in what it seems like it was trying to do. And what I mean by that is that like it feels like it 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 meant to be this short little experience with like these yeah, these mini game elements that that tie together this mission that you're on. And uh I think that in 1990 I I agree this would have been an interesting unique fun experience. I feel like it would be like even in 1990 I feel like it would be like the equivalent of some quirky weird like one or two sitting steam game or something which like is fun but like it, it it never gets to a point where i'm like oh yeah even in 1990 i can't i'm not sure i would tell people this is on my essential games list um i think i would say yeah it was a fun it was a fun fun it was a fun it was a fun <laughs> little uh experience but uh essential back then i'd probably say no and now certainly not so uh check it out it's kind of cool, but definitely not essential. Next week, we'll be playing River City Ransom, a game that I'm sure everybody has at least heard. Um, I've never actually played it, though. Guys, have you played it? I've played a no, game that, definitely heard of it. that like is named similarly, but no, not this specific version. Right, not Street Gangs, right? Because that's just River City Ransom in Europe. I'll have to get back to you on that. That's just funny. No, I'm just joking. Uh, and then if you, <laughs> you know, if, speaking of international games, if you want to join us, for our Nostalgia Bites journey, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash nostalgia for that. And we'll be playing Captain Subasa 2. We never covered the first one, so we'll kind of just throw that in too, I suppose. Uh, get it? 2, the number 2. They're actually using the Roman numeral 2 for this. Captain Subasa 2, Super Striker. It's a soccer game. It's apparently a big deal. Uh, they've been making them all the way since the Famicom. I'm pretty sure one just came out for Switch last year. So maybe you played the Switch one and you're like, huh. I wonder what the original's like. Well, join us on the Nostalgia Bites episode to find out. We've also got a bunch of other content on there and exclusive Discord and everything, but you've already heard all that stuff a hundred times because you're a devoted listener who listens to the ends of every episode. And so surely you could, you know, tweet at us and tell me what happened or what we said at the end of the Dr. Chaos episode because that was such a memorable episode that everybody listened to the end, right? (laughs) 